Welcome to Bonnets at Dawn, the podcast that pits Jane Austen against the Bronte sisters. In the red corner tonight, we have on the side of the Brontes, Lauren Burke. And in the red corner, kind of breathing heavily, needing a lot of emotional support, it's Hannah Chapman. That's me. Yeah. Hello. You do need some emotional support because we've been through it today. We have been through some ups and some downs. Yeah. So ups... We went to the Botanic Gardens, which really doesn't have anything to do with anything, except for it was a really nice, like, you know, mental health day. Like, we went and walked around and looked at some flowers and had a lovely time. There was an English garden, and it had, like, this historic shade of blue. It was great. And a sundial. So I think, in a way, we were, you know, emotionally preparing ourselves for this month. 2003, and the other was from 1940. Wow! Wow! Like it was a a, yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of pride and prejudice for one (laughs) night. Luckily, one of them didn't seem to have anything to do with it at all. No, you know what though? It's crazy. Like I actually could have. I really wanted like to watch the Kira Knightley version afterwards. Yeah, just to sort of maybe get those two out of my mind more than anything else. To be honest, you wanted to get one of them out of your. I thought one of them was great. Oh, okay. I'm being mysterious. Oh, wow. Yeah. Let's talk about the 2003 version yeah. first because that is the one um, that we watched first. And it was, it started to make me question whether or not I really like Pride and Prejudice. I was like, oh, is this really my favorite, one of my favorite books? I, this is terrible. I did like eight tweets while we watched it. And one of them was definitely like, is, I think this is what people who haven't read the book think the book is about. Yeah, absolutely. And then I kind of piggybacked off that tweet because I said, yeah, it's like this was written by a high school freshman who just read the Wikipedia page yeah. for Pride and Prejudice. But they read didn't the actually the spark notes. Yeah, exactly. Like didn't really dive into the book. So right. again, I have said this on the podcast before. Guys, read the actual text. It's so much better. It's pretty. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. It's like, all right. It's good for a reason. Like, don't read the spark notes. Don't read the internet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it did also make me hate the Nazis. Like yeah. a lot. Just oh, so much. Man. Well, you know what? So, okay. So, first of all, let's say that this was an American production. Yes. It's bad. Bad. We, should, most, we should actually maybe. They mostly maybe. are. Yeah. Not mostly are they. I mean, well, you okay. know. Yeah. It, it's, it's, I'm going to say this. On behalf of America, we should just like not do any more Jane Austen adaptations. In I feel the words like we of just, your yeah. um, national animal. Mm-hmm. Tim Gunn. Oh. I'm worried about the taste level. <laughs> having watched that film today. Honestly, I am too. I am too. I totally, I totally hear what you're saying. Yeah. Um, it was bad. It was, okay, so done in 2003. It was set in Utah. So this is a Church of Latter-day Saints production. Yes. So it's not heavy on the Mormonism, just heavy on the young women getting married. Yeah. Which yeah, the like, book is too, but you know. Yeah, but this book was written 200 years ago. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's rough. It's rough from the get go. I mean, it starts with Lizzie Bennett doing some monologuing in the beginning. 
yeah, it's like trying to be like Carrie Bradshaw. But then also there are parts which are yeah. a bit like Ali McBeal. Because like she has all of yeah. these fantasies, you know. Yeah. It was, it was trying to be a lot of things. And the last thing it was trying to be was Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, absolutely. Also, oh, the opening was really upsetting to me too. Because, well, first of all, I don't like any books that are, or movies that are about writers. Like, I yes. just, I hate that. So she's like a, a young, struggling writer who lives in this big house, but she's also a college student. And then she kind of starts off by saying, like, oh, my mom already thinks it's too late for me to get married. And it's unclear how old she is. It's well, like she's, she's like a, 21, 22. She's a college student and she lives in um, Lydia's house. Lydia yeah. is not related to her. Lydia is her landlady. Yeah, she has no sisters, which no. is a, a weird choice. I don't know Lydia why. Lydia and Kitty are still sisters because Kitty yeah. has no okay. personality whatsoever. So she wouldn't actually make sense in the film if she wasn't attached Lydia. Yes. Um, Mary is there and she's kind of an anomaly. And Mm -hmm. Jane is there and but like they're just not related. They're all just mates. And then Jane and Lizzie are best friends. It's a really, really weird decision too. I mean, um the fact that they are sisters is like part of the draw for everyone. Yeah. And it's like it's unnecessary too. Like, I mean, I don't know why they couldn't all be sisters um, because they all wouldn't be friends. That's kind of the point. Like, you know, Jane and yeah, Lizzie would no, be friends, no but they would never hang around Lydia. They, you yeah. know, they would not be a part of that, like, social circle. So um, that right away, I was just like, done with this. I did agree with the pug named Austin, though, which Lydia had. Fine, whatever, yeah. The pug was the <laughs> best like... actor in the movie really stole most of the scenes for me. No, there's this bit, there's this, well, you know, not to give too much away, but Lydia and Wickham run away together. <laughs> um, like the, the the guy at the chapel, he's pretty good. Oh, yeah. But I think he was doing an Irish accent and apparently he's supposed to be doing a Scottish accent. That's the joke. He does an Irish oh, accent the and joke? then he's like, I am neither Irish nor Scottish, sir. I'm just hanging out with my mum and these guys oh. start to do stuff. He didn't pull it off for me. I, like I think I was just losing. I mean, it was this is a mediocre hardcore. It was losing me. Well, it is like student production level. There's a lot of dead air. Mm-hmm. Um, the editing is not very well done. The cinematography is not very well done. Um, the music's terrible. The clothes. I mean, there's a lot of flared jeans. Well, I mean, that was just the time. Wasn't that it? that was the time, but it just it's really an awful time. I think we need to talk about William Darcy, old Bill. Oh, Bill. Bill. So Bill, um, we actually don't... I, I'm really interested to know how Bill lives in America. Um, he's funded this yeah. publishing company, mm-hmm. but he lives out in of the Utah, which Out is, of Utah, which is the publishing hub of the United States, as you know. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's, like, so repeatedly, I kept watching it and being like, are his scenes where he is... Um, in the books, obviously, he rejects Elizabeth, like, a bunch of times yeah. while trying to win her over. Mm-hmm. And, like, there are just multiple scenes where, to begin with, he's, like... Well, there's a really good one when he's just, like, oh, I find you strangely attractive. And mm-hmm. this is, like, one of the most conventionally pretty women yeah, that I've yeah, seen on she the looks, screen. Yeah, like, like, she looks like an actress, model. Yeah. And he's, like, I don't know why I'm attracted to you, but it's I... like, you're kind of unorganised. Yeah. I'm not about that. And then she's, like, oh, rude. So there's that. And then there's this whole scene where this guy who runs a publishing company is saying to her, oh yeah, by the way, like your book, we really want to publish it. Your characters are really great. There's a bunch of changes that you need to make. And she's just like, um, excuse me? 
And it yeah. really reminded me of Rory Gilmore in oh, the year God. in life when she was all just like, wait, you want me to pitch something to you? Yeah, exactly. Like, Again, this is, I mean, and Amy Sherman Palladino should have known better in Gilmore Girls. But like, people who have never worked in publishing, which by the way, I've worked in publishing, one of my many jobs where I've, you know, wretched bondage. But, um, <laughs> you know, like we're, like authors, you should know, like you, you actually, you have to make changes. Like that's a thing. That's a normal thing. It's fine. Like everybody does it. You know, she's never been published. She's never been published. She's, she's student, not even like, out of college. She's written her book some sounds book. terrible. It sounds like what is she? Well, people keep saying it's a romance, and she's people like, keep it's not a it's romance. A historical romance. So she's like, actually, it's drama based. I don't know. She's just yeah. like, well, didn't she say like the lead character? She's like, no. Well, the female character is an engineer, yeah. and I'm like, well, you know, you can still have an engineer be the protagonist of your story. It can still be a romance. That doesn't. Anyway, it doesn't make any sense. But um, I none of it makes any sense because like, okay, so Darcy runs a publisher, but then um, he's at these college parties. Yeah. Wait, what? Creeping. It's, yeah, it is this really sense. great scene where Caroline Bingley just straight up lies to Lizzie and is just like, oh, me and Darcy are engaged. Yeah. And uh, so Lizzie's just like, oh, right, see ya, gotta go. Okay, so this kind of takes this to my favorite scene in this movie, which, sorry guys, it's all over the place. It's like, you know, it's basically Pride and Prejudice. Okay, I'm so anyone you know, listening is right Pride and Prejudice. You, and please, don't read the Wikipedia page. Read the book. But um, it's basically Pride and Prejudice, but just it's just not. There is um, this great part of the movie actually my favorite part was where jane is really upset about bingley leaving like he's gone scuba diving so that's you know so he's gone he's left and she's crying and then she's like hey lizzie take me on a hike to like help clear my mind and they're like driving up to this mountain to go take a hike and then they see bingley on the road like driving this really shitty scooter and then Jane's like, let me out of the car. And then, you know, she gets out of the car and she hugs Bingley and then they drive off. And it was rude. So then Lizzie goes up on the mountain and she's writing her novel, which is already finished and at the publisher. So unclear what the hell she's writing. Maybe she's doing she's redraw- She's redrafting it because at this oh, point yeah. he has already told her that in no it's uncertain terms it's not ready. But like she doesn't have an editor to help her like make no, edits. No, because like she said before, she's done 10 edits herself. Oh yeah. This will be the, the 11th edit that she does on her own without yeah. any external Oh yeah, yeah. You don't advice. need actually any, yeah, any yeah. input so from she, an editor. So she knows oh, what okay. she's doing. She knows what she's doing. So then she um, falls asleep on the mountain and she has a weird dream that she's back. But it's back. got a horse in it. Yes. So it's, you know, it's like. Did we tell everyone this is a modern day adaptation? Oh, we did. We said 2003, right? Maybe? We said okay, it was anyway. made in 2003. All right, yeah, it's true. It it's a modern day adaptation. So if you don't know by now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she falls asleep on the mountain and she has this dream that she's back in the Regency era and there's a horse and it's dark and then suddenly she wakes up and there's a thunderstorm and it's like pouring rain yeah. on her and her laptop. She's and then she starts wandering around the mountain and then she knocks on this door, like random door, like random cabin. And then no one answers. And so she breaks into the cabin <laughs> and then she realizes that, of course, it's Mr. Darcy's home. Because he lives in a cabin in a mountain. 
with his sister and they're having like this romantic dinner of like fondue and they've got like a fire lit and wine going and there's like a storm. It's very like, it's just, it's very awkward for her to like come upon Isn't this. It's, like, so, it's so awkward that she breaks a window to get back out again. Yeah. Then she like tries to leave. Like, okay, let me ask you this question. And then she's just hanging off the edge. Like, yeah. And then Darcy's like, no, 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 you can come in. It's just fine. Like, oh, cool. Cause actually I love fondue. Yeah, it'll give me. It'll make me gassy, but I do love it. That's what she said. She doesn't say that, but I don't think I would Jane do. Austen would be into this. No, I mean, really? <laughs> I mean, have you ever had like a romantic dinner, like a fondue no. dinner with your brother? <laughs> <laughs> like never, never. Me never neither. Had, never had a romantic meal. I mean, my uh, unless you count sharing a can of tuna with Henry, my cat. Oh, you know, it's cold. It's cold, you know, we've not cooked yet. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, yeah, guys. I'm going to break into someone's hut and then interrupt the <laughs> dinner with their sibling. That was, um, so that was my favorite part of the movie. That was really weird. It was really awkward. I really liked the bit where Mr. Like, they all, so in Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Collins is a curate. Mm-hmm. And uh, although that is his profession and he, like, whiz on the whole time, he's like, Oh, God says that, um, you know, it's good to, like, be, like, gracious. I don't know. Like, yeah. he just, he says a lot of stuff, doesn't he? Yeah, he He's does. always like, he you know, yeah. I'm a clergyman, but I can dance if it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, this the Mr. Collins in this one, just, like, walks up to Lizzie and he's like, oh, by the way, we should totally just be, like, going forth and multiplying. Yeah. And he says, and he says something like, even though you're a feminist or something? Yeah. So it's very, it's, like, very... He's very aggressively like, God tells us that we have to go and breed. I'm going to breed yeah. with you. What's up? Let's go. And then everyone goes to church. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just hanging out at the church. And then Mr. Collins stands up and he's like, I'm going to give you a sermon today. Oh, by the way, Lizzie Bennett won't marry me. That sucks. I want to procreate with her. This girl, she's crazy. Yeah. And everyone just sits there and it's just like, oh, good. This is a good scene. Yeah good weird so weird it goes on way too long well like every scene goes on way too long but i want like i do i do have like a big issue with the way mr bingley was portrayed in this in particular Mm. because um bingley is like why people are bingley's really stupid and he isn't bingley is just like he's very affable he's Mm -hmm. like a friendly guy he has his own interests and those interests aren't particularly in reading books or like sitting like, and like right. there actually isn't, there isn't anything wrong with not being someone who's super into reading. And like, right. there is a snobbiness, I think when people read or approach Pride and Prejudice where like Mr. Bingley will just be portrayed as a massive idiot because he isn't mm-hmm. as brooding as Mr. Darcy. And right. he says very clearly like, there's, you know, just like, I, I do other stuff. Yeah. And I think, I really think that like Darcy wouldn't just hang with him if he yes. were a raging idiot too. Yeah. Like, I think that he's just, you know, he's just sort of, yeah, he's just an affable like, fellow he, he who just to, doesn't really c- quite care. He goes, he goes on his own journey as well, because obviously like he is very easily persuaded by his siblings. Mm-hmm. Like he, like he does what everyone tells him. And like, yes, by the end of the film, he marries Jane because Mr. Darcy is like, you should marry this girl. But mm. just in terms of like how he is to people, like he's a nice guy. Yeah. Like he, 
he wants people to be happy. Yeah. And, like, he is just the, a, the biggest buffoon in this film. Oh my god, just I'm like... just sitting here thinking about his taking it to the max shirt. <laughs> He's a t-shirt that says, taking it to the max. If you want to see this shirt, please go to our Instagram at bonnets at dawn. They make him really sporty and like, that's fine. But I just feel like if you're going to make, if you're going to make Mr. Bingley's thing that he's sporty, make him good at sport. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why does, why does he have to be stupid? No, he's and just like bad tripping like, all not, over the he's place. He's just not good at anything. So really yeah. what happens is the only thing he's got going for him is that he's good looking and he's got money. Mm-hmm. And like the whole point of Jane and Mr. Bingley liking each other is that they are good natured. Yes. And oh, can we talk about how he made his money? Oh, yeah. I like I don't quite have this down because every time they said it it was so stupid that I just like wanted to like cover my ears. I think this is my favourite bit. <laughs> that he made CDs for dogs or for cats? Mozart for dogs. Mozart for Classical dogs. Classical music for dogs. Yeah, that's how he made his fortune. And then, so, right, and so basically what they, like, the other thing that they do with this film is, like, they take all of the plot points, mm-hmm. and there's these random, really impressively, they take quotes from the book and, like, use those as kind of, like, chapter breaks in the story, and at first they're, like, a truth universally acknowledged, they go for the really obvious ones, mm-hmm. and then by the end of the film, they're taking quotes that just say, a week went by. Yeah. And it's like, it's kind of like, I've, um, I've watched a film. I know what um, a cut to a next scene is. Like if you cut to another scene and they're wearing different clothes, I can assume that some time has passed. I don't need right. a week goes by quoted from Pride and Prejudice inserted in there. Right. Well, it's like the filmmakers have never really seen a movie though. Yeah. no. That's kind of like the general problem yeah. with the movie. Um, but yeah, it kind of reminded me of like, you know, when people will give... Um, like when film critics will give a film like a good review and they could say like a great piece of cinema for people who have never seen a piece of cinema. But you know, but the marketers can say a great piece of cinema dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely a film. Uh, Well, one of the big ways also it uh, drastically differs from the source material (laughs) is the ending. Would you like to talk a little bit about the, uh, the ending? Oh yeah, so right, so yeah, Wickham. By the way, I was like, oh. is Wickham going to be a paedophile in this? Because obviously, in the book, he runs away with Georgiana Darcy. She's but fifteen years old when he does it in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was reading somewhere online when I was trying to look up the ages. Um, that happened five years before, so Georgiana Darcy is now twenty. Wickham and uh, Darcy are of an age. He is ten years older than his sister, so Darcy's about thirty. Mm-hmm. So he's he's in his thirties. He was 25. He runs away with this 15-year-old. So I was like, are they going to make him a paedophile in this yeah, book? Like, because, is he going to go to prison? Because, like, happen? otherwise, what is the conflict, really, yeah. is the thing. Like, you can't really... It's That's really hard to update to modern times. And so the conflict is that he took Darcy's sister to Vegas, used all of her credit cards, maxed out all of her money, gambled it all, and then said to Darcy... Um, I'm going to tell everyone that I've stolen all of your sister's money. Yeah, unless... that's the thing. I mean, it's Although like... Or no, he's like, I'm going to marry her unless you pay me off. Yeah. And then so Darcy pays him off. So anyway, so he then convinces Lydia, who in this thing, she's the landlady, she's got all of this money. They go to Vegas and then all of the friends, so Jane, Mary and Kitty, they all get in the car with Bingley and they're dri- they drive to to the wee chapel. And they call Mr. Darcy. I mean, the, the whole thing is like, Darcy has to have something in this for him, right? Yeah. Like, in the source material, he helps out Lydia because that is helping 
Lizzie's reputation. Mm -hmm. But in this film, like, Lydia's not related to Lizzie. They don't like each other. Um... Why does Lizzie even care that mm-hmm. Lydia has run off with a jerk? Like, who? No, why even care? Why bother? Why does he turn up? I've forgotten. As someone just texts him. He's like so in he a goes, meeting at the okay. pub- at the publishing house, and he's like in a very important boardroom meeting, and then he gets this text like, "Lydia, this girl I've never met is about to marry." He's met her. They went to a house. Party oh, I guess together. that's right. They went to a college party together. So he drove down like yeah. From his mountain house to some random, like, college party? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I don't like But this. so, and so he, he then goes to Las Vegas. He beats up, he beats up uh, Wickham. Yeah. And then he gets arrested. Um, but Lizzie is like, oh, congrats on being engaged to Caroline Bingley. She walks off. They all get in the car. They drive away. So Mr. Darcy is like, tell you what, I'm going to jog on from these police. <laughs> From I'm the gonna police. run after. So he just like he evades arrest. He runs away, and then he they nearly hit him in the car, and then they're lying on the floor. It's very Enrique Iglesias like hero, yeah, but without yeah. the rain and without you know music or um, really compelling storytelling because that's a great music video. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're kissing in the road, and then the police come, and then it's like the end. Oh no, they go to London. They get engaged. It's well, just, like she goes to London. She goes to London, and then he. They and there's meet like a lot a of stock home. footage, and then there's some like. They go to a stately home, and there's a picture of Jane Austen yeah, yeah, on the wall. Right. Um, and and then oh, they kiss. he he also I think had a picture of Jane Austen in his uh, cabin as well. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, I was Weird. too busy like getting jealous about that fondue. Yeah, I know, right? Oh, so guys, um, we don't recommend it. It's I do. On- <laughs> It's on Amazon Prime. One of our Twitter followers um, actually did tweet at us and was just like, don't watch those guys. Don't do it. Don't do it. But I was like, no. We I was like, no, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I know. Was it one of the actors? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Now, um, Fun fact, the girl that plays Mary is also in Never Been Kissed and she's the geeky friend. So if you're a fan of her work, check it out. She does sing My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean for a really long time. And it's just like, painful it is it's really painful so now um here's something i'm gonna steal from one of my favorite podcasts which is how did this get made they do a feature mm-hmm. and they say like it's called second opinions so like we had an opinion about this movie yeah but there are other people who have opinions about this movie mm-hmm. and um five star opinions oh. so um maybe let's uh let's look at some amazon reviews for Pride and Prejudice 2003. Yeah, please. There's so many. <laughs> there are. So this one, I'm just going to read this one. It says, chill out if you're an Austin nut, like we are, and don't expect anything out of this movie. Sorry, I'm terrible at reading it. Anyway, just buy your tickets and take the ride. There's a lot of effort put into what would normally be classified as a low-budget B-movie. These actors are attractive, the music original and super. The script is a twist on Austin that's clever. And why not? It isn't clever. We've got the book and the other versions if we need them. So just enjoy the change. It's meant to be lighthearted and funny, clean and romantic. P.S. It takes place in Provo, but there's no push on Mormonism. It never mentions it directly. They show the inside of a church, undoubtedly a Mormon ward, and say the words scripture and church. That's about it. Five stars. How do we feel about that review? They're right. I've changed my mind. <laughs> so, so 
I am told. What I, I would just like to say, like, there is, like, Pride and Prejudice is a pretty clean... It's very that clean. Whole, it's, it's good, clean. clean, fun. It's wholesome. There's, like, three weddings at the end. Yeah. So, I mean, you don't need to... You don't need to make Pride and Prejudice more clean. In fact, that made it less clean because it had the whole, like, <laughs> let's go and breed thing and everyone's making out. Yeah. It so, felt weird and dirty. Let me read one. Um, actually, can I... <laughs> you want to read this one? Yeah. Babe. Okay. So, Mrs. Fordy says so bad it's good but still bad but it grows on you that's just the title so i can tell she's conflicted this is like an essay the first time i watched this movie i found it super heavy-handed with the pmp references at times (laughs) incredibly cringy and the acting is uneven i didn't realize this was an lds movie initially but it started making sense i think i had expectations of this being cute and witty rather than a total farce. The 2003 nostalgia is sometimes painful at times, probably because I wore way too many of those trends, but it's also what makes this movie so funny as well. It is absolutely, unapologetically, over-the-top, campy and absurd, not unlike Napoleon Dynamite or Austinland, also made by LDS writer-directors. Have they seen these films? Uh, Either... Either you get that kind of wacky humour or you just think it's weird and unfunny. Most of the parts are played for laughs and depending on the acting chops of the particular performer, you will either just be laughing or rolling your eyes. The Wickham character was super cringy, but the actor playing Bingley was just spot on. He was playing a complete imbecile, but he totally went for it in a way that had me rolling. Also, the actor playing Collins was superb, just nailed it. There was something likeable about him, even though everything he was saying was awful. Maybe it was just the delivery and the total commitment to playing the part to its absurdly nutty potential. On second viewing, I really enjoyed the movie right up until the end. I actually hated it. Lol. If you like Deep Blue Sea, Sharknado, Napoleon Dynamite and other movies that somehow work even though they really shouldn't and are actually pretty awful, but then realise how silly they are, so then the awful actually works, then I highly recommend this one. Go in with zero expectations, maybe a glass of wine, and you should have a pretty good time. I would recommend three bottles of wine, mm-hmm. and possibly a bottle of pills. I like that she said And just let the... someone know what you're doing. <laughs> just like, just, <laughs> just text someone you text love, and just tell them what your plans are for the night and maybe mm-hmm. they'll take you out for a nice fondue <laughs> instead one can only hope yeah uh i love that she said um that this was super heavy-handed with the pride and prejudice references and it is a remake of you know an adaptation yeah, and of pride and prejudice to of... be fair it did have those like really obvious quotes like did, a fortnight true, later true. and a week went by <laughs> That is I mean, too much. That too, is lifting too much from the original source material. Too much. I couldn't handle it. Oh, I actually God. came away from it feeling like I know more about Pride and Prejudice than I did before because I didn't know those sentences were in there. And now I can quote them to people at wine and cheese tastings. <gasps> there you go. So now um, we watched that one. Yeah. That one happened. Yeah. We're going to try to forget it. I we're going to push it away. I can never forget we're going to just bury it deep down. Yeah. And we're going to remember a better version. Yeah. It's so weird how much I loved the other one. Oh, yeah. So this is the 1940 version with Laurence Olivier and Greer Garson. Guess what it's called? 
It's called, uh, it's just called Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, I think it it's is. It's not I a big reveal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember the tagline for the film. It was something like, you know, five sisters and a mad... Five sisters, one man. <laughs> Two men. Three men. Four men. There's four men, really. There are four men. Uh, almost enough men for Five sisters on a madcap manhunt or something like that. Yeah. I, I loved this movie. Did you? You I, loved it? I loved it. I would watch that again. I mean, Absolutely. It was, it was pretty good. But it was it was odd. It was, it, it was very watchable. It's totally, totally watchable. I, re- I really like old films. But, I mean, like, I have one big issue with it, which I will go into. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, yeah, I really, like, there was so much about it that I really enjoyed. I did have some beef when we watched the trailer mm-hmm. because the uh, costumes are, like, 100 years, maybe, later than they should have been. Yeah. And I thought it was just because the costume designer was an idiot. But then we looked it up while we were watching the film and it turns out that it was actually an intentional stylistic choice because they wanted to um, make these really over the top satirical costumes Mm -hmm. that were like, that took flounce and bonnets and everything just to like the furthest extreme. And they didn't feel like they could do that with Regency costumes. And so the setting it slightly later in time, it actually doesn't affect the story. It doesn't. Um, I'm kind of wondering too, I mean, I'm just going off the top of my head too i don't know when this came out in comparison to like gone with the wind as well Mm -hmm. and i'm guessing that you know they also like stylistically wanted to sort of ape that you know um gonna hear me tell there's lots of like um dresses that aren't on the shoulders like the biggest sleeves you've ever seen yeah like just maddest tallest bonnets with like polka dots on them okay so this came out the year after so it so, was yeah. it was in production in 1936 though, and it was based. So it wasn't actually. Um, it's based on the book, but specifically, it's based on a play based on the book. Right. And it went into production in 1936, and then they were going to shoot in England, but then they didn't shoot in England because they were still in production in 1939 when the Second World War broke out. And so MGM Studios, who created it, filmed in America. There you go. Did my research. Indeed. Um, the costumes, while they are ridiculous, they are really, really fun to look at. Oh, uh, it looks so good. And I really want to get one of our artists to, like, illustrate all of those bonnets. Because the bonnets are crazy. Yes. I mean, just huge. Like, how do you get through a doorway? There's just, like, flowers on them. They're just super high. Some of them have linings that actually, like, match just the match dresses. The dresses. Yeah. So polka dots and stripes and there's, like... And everyone everyone in this film, apart from, like, the guys, like, they, everyone in a dress takes up so much space. Yeah, there that's... is so much fabric. Like, uh, yards and yards and yards. And it is pleated and it's in bows and it's uh, great. They're drowning in fabric. Just drowning there in There is sleeves. a scene where Elizabeth Bennet just strips down. She's just like, <laughs> she walks in, she's like, I'm gonna get changed. She takes off all of her outer layers Which is in, in one Charlotte's go. house. And, and then yeah. she takes off her skirt and then she just steps into another dress and like buttons it up. It's so good. <laughs> it's crazy. You had, you had remarked early on in the film about how big Longbourn is. You're just like, Longbourn is just in this enormous yeah, house humongous. but it has to be to get those five sisters like just I mean they they must have had like separate wings just for all of their dresses oh my god it's insane I mean 
Mrs. Bennet, who is my favorite character, actually, in this one. Mrs. Bennet and Lady Catherine, they really give them a lot to do. Like, these two actresses really, like, steal the scenes. Yeah. Um, But she is just, like, the very first scene, like, just drowning in fabric. It's insane. Um, Actually, you know what? So let's take it back to the beginning. Yeah. Let's take it back to the beginning. Let's talk about the opening scene, because it is drastically different to... um, I actually, I really like this. I like you this. You did like it a Because lot. I think it really sets up, um, well, it feels very old Hollywood. It sets up the plot, like, right away. So it's the Bennett it sisters. It introduces a lot of characters very yes. easily. Mm-hmm. Totally. And again, this was a stage play, so I could see this easily working on stage as well. But um, the opening scene is everyone in a dress shop. So it's the five Bennett sisters. It isn't. Oh, is it's, it not? It's Mrs. Bennett in a dress shop with Jane and Lizzie and I they were more of the sisters. They are shopping. Okay. They are shopping to buy fabric for oh. a ball. And then um Charlotte. Charlotte Lucas and her mother and Lady her mother Lucas are there. Morgan. And they're talking about Bingley. No, Mrs. Yes. Phillips runs in. Mrs. Phillips runs in next. And okay. she's like, let me tell you. And then well, the Lucas. They're all talking in. about Bingley in the Sorry, shop. It's just at it's some important point. the order they come in. Okay, okay. And then they all race back to yeah. their respective homes. But they don't want to tell the other ones that they're racing home. They're like, oh, I'm just going to go and do this other thing. And mm. then they were like, mm-hmm, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm going to go and do this other thing. But really, they're just running home. They're just running home so they can get on that guest list. Well, because they have to tell the, the husbands have to go. Yeah, the husband's got to like, go and... And even that, even that scene, like, oh, and they introduce the sisters and Mrs. Bennett's just like, oh, Mary, there she is. She just walks into a bookshop, doesn't pay any attention. Poor Mary. You were startled by the punch and Judy. Yeah, yeah, I was really actually taken back by that. You were. It was was a little too much. So when they get back to the house, we meet Mr. Bennett for the first time. And he Mm -hmm. says like a few of the lines from the book, but the line that really sticks with you is when he's just like, yeah, maybe we should drown some of these things. (laughs) Yeah. When they were younger. <laughs> well, he also repeats it, like, soon after, too, so... And at the end. He does a And at the back. end. So he really was just like, glad we didn't drown those girls. Ha-ha. <laughs> uh, like, ooh, okay. All right. So, like, one of the main things that happens with this film is that it just... It condenses a lot of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. So a lot of scenes where there is, like, a gap, like, you've just got, like people walking into a room and then they'll say something's about to happen and then mm-hmm. the person that it's in relation to walks into the room and they're like, yeah, this is what happened. Yeah. Very, you know, you can tell like it, it was adapted from a play. Yeah. Yeah. It's very it stagey. It moves along really fast. Mm-hmm. It moves really, really fast. Um, I kind of like that they really do change up. Uh, so like Netherfield Ball is like not a ball. It's a garden party. Yeah. The the second ball of the thing that um, Bingley throws after Jane has been at the house, which they mm-hmm. like, they still do the whole... Um, Jane, Jane going sick. and getting sick. Yeah. But some of the scenes are like reported rather than yeah. uh, being shown. So like you hear about people will discuss something that's happened in the book, but you don't actually see it happening mm-hmm. in the film. So yeah, and they, they instead of having another ball, which you were saying is like, why do another ball when you can do something else? Yeah. And they have this very Victorian garden party mm-hmm. with swings and like there's a woman in a boat. Yeah, there's some archery happening. Oh my gosh, the archery. I yeah. remember like in the trailer That's actually I saw the a archery cute and I was scene, just like, actually between Lizzie and Darcy because he's like, "Oh, I'm going to show you how to like 
work this bow and arrow. And she's like, yeah, show me. Yeah, and then she's amazing at it. Yeah, she's just really And amazing. he, but he like really admits that he's like been put in his place. Yeah. And so. And then was, Caroline comes yeah. over and she's like, uh, what about the archery lesson you promised me? And he's like, I'm never teaching a woman how to do archery ever again. <laughs> <laughs> Lawrence Olivier looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a fairly decent actor. You're not sold on him, are you? Actually, you thought he was phoning it in. I thought he was um a little like. I wonder if he had notes on this character because it just Darcy's a little too like affable in this version for me. He's he's nice. He's very charming. Um, but mm-hmm. it's like that archery scene where like Lizzie kind of like excels at it, and he goes, "Oh well, you're amazing. Okay, yeah. great. You're awesome." There's not no real like tension between the two of them. Yeah, because even um. One of one of the and they I think they address that. So the idea the idea in this one is not that Mr. Darcy is this like horribly rude person. Like he's very dismissive of her. You get the whole like she's not handsome enough to tempt. But me then he's kind of like apologetic about it he right apolo- after. He apologizes to her, not right after, at the garden party. Mm-hmm. Because like he he helps her get away from Mr. Collins, who's like chasing her around outside. And then um and then they're kind of talking and he's like, you know what? Like, you're all right. Yeah. You know, we got off to the wrong start. I think you're good. You're good people. I'm good people. Mm-hmm. Let's go watch a movie. Maybe eat some yeah, yeah. fondue. Have fun. And she's yeah. like, yeah, that sounds great. And then suddenly, Mary's singing really badly. He overhears the mum going, oh, Jane's going to marry Bingley. Mm-hmm. The two sisters are super drunk. The dad says something like the sisters are like doing shots they are like slamming tequila slammers they're like falling over and and he's just immediately like gotta go (laughs) and so lizzie's never mind she's like at the you know we're very newly friends and at the very first hurdle he's like there's just no loyalty yeah yeah that's true she does say that and that is nice actually and like that isn't what happens in the books like all of the things that he doesn't like are there but mm-hmm. he he hasn't been like, oh, by the way, we should be mates. Yeah. And then, like, so. So that is wildly different. Um, there is also one other big, big difference. Are you talking about the lady at the end? Yeah. Uh, before we get there, there okay. is a huge difference. So oh, this oh, is, what else? This yeah, is yeah. my, because I actually like that. Mm-hmm. So my big issue with this adaptation and oh, yeah. um, we're going to do uh, an episode that talks all about Regency Gentlemen and an episode that talks specifically about Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I won't go into massively, but basically the reason that Lizzie loves Mr. Darcy is not because he's rich and it's not just because he's handsome. There is so much more to it than that. And one of the main ways that we kind of, we learn to love Darcy the way Lizzie learns to love him is through seeing the way he interacts with her aunt and uncle Gardner, mm-hmm. the trip to Pemberley, not because his house is really big, but because we meet Mrs. Reynolds, who's like, this is his life story. He's a really great guy. He is so nice. And in those days, like, this guy is super wealthy. He is as wealthy as a lord without being a lord. He could be awful to anyone and he was nice when he was a kid he is nice when he's an adult he's a good landlord he's a good brother and lizzie's just like you know what maybe i have misjudged this person yes and she has that turnaround and then her aunt and uncle who are of very little consequence he's super nice to them as well so she sees it firsthand and mr and mrs gardner the only sensible people 
They love him. They think he's great. Yeah. And that, none of that happens. Mr. and Mrs. Gardner are not in there. Uh, they don't go on holiday. We go straight from Lizzie going to visit um, the Collinses and mm-hmm. having dinner at Lady Catherine de Bourgh's and seeing Mr. Darcy there and them having like a little flirt at the piano mm-hmm. to her going straight back to Longbourn and Kitty's runaway. Yeah. So we miss that whole bit. And so the reason that they fall in love is because back at Longbourn, Mr. Darcy appears very quickly again and is like, I've heard the news. I'll do anything I can to help. Cuts to him again. He's not doing anything he can to help. He's playing snooker. And then he's like, actually... I would say that he's playing pool. He's playing... I don't know what the difference is. I was like, it doesn't matter. I don't it know doesn't what the matter. Difference is. He was hitting a ball. And then... So he doesn't even help. He's like, yeah. I'm going to help. Doesn't help. Goes back to his house, chills out for a bit. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, oh, wait. It's still not fixed. Okay, I should go now. <laughs> okay. Maybe so he just like, has like ADD. So it really, I think it really undermines, and it does, it does Mr. Darcy a massive disservice. Yeah, it does. It does. And it does Elizabeth a disservice as well, because it suggests that the only reason that she could fall in love with a man is because he's like, I'll help out your stupid sister. Right. And that isn't it. Like, it is good, but it isn't the only thing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but it, it saves a lot of time. But that's my beef. It's Get ready beef. to listen to me beefing about it for an hour. I mean, it's a good beef. But then... There's the other weird thing that happens. But then they happens. save it with this bizarre ending. <laughs> it is, it's fun to watch because it really caught me off guard where I was like, oh, what, oh, what's yeah. happening? What's happening? Oh, I'm, so, weird. I'm so into it. Again, um, Lady Catherine, great role. I don't know who the actress was. I could have researched it. But what I'm, I'm sort of guessing too is that maybe they had like a big actress for this and they really wanted to give her something more mm-hmm. to do um, because she really has fun with this role. Um, so basically when, um, when Lizzie is at Rosings, like Lady Catherine apparently really likes her and she's kind of interrogating her because she really likes her. And then, um, at the end, she shows up at Lizzie's house as she does in the classic scene. She turns up, she's like, I want to talk to Lizzie Bennet. Mm -hmm. Everyone piss off. Yeah, exactly. And she's interrogating her the whole, are you engaged to my nephew? That whole scene. And um, she's kind of adding in a few things, playing with her. You can see that she's like, you know. I don't even think you can see that she's playing with her. I think, I think they kinda, almost well, do it with I kind of like when she was like, I'm not going to leave. Oh, and then yeah, she, like, okay, she no, stands up and then she goes to another couch and she's like, yeah. nope, just kidding. I'm not going to leave. And Lizzie's like, fine. Like, I'm just going to call Lizzie the butler. The and she's like, can you prepare a room for Lady Catherine? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've got things to do. She can either, you know, yeah. hang out here or go the fuck home. I don't care. Peace out. And then Lady Catherine's like, fine, I'm leaving, but no compliments to your mother and you're a bitch, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then she leaves. <laughs> and Darcy is outside. That's how I'm going to start, like, peace out of arguments. <laughs> no compliments to your mother. You're a bitch. <laughs> we should also put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. And Darcy's outside, and then they have a whole conversation. Darcy's just outside in the carriage, and she's like, she's like, she doesn't like you. Psych, she really likes you. <laughs> and Darcy's like, oh, auntie. And she's like, you're, she's like, you are a spoiled child. So again, <laughs> nothing like the book. She makes a point of being like, you were a very spoiled child, and this mm-hmm. woman is going to sort you out. Yeah. Whereas in the book, it's like, He's so nice. He just deserves someone who's as lovely as him. Right. No. Just like, you're the worst. Propose to this one. She'll figure you out. 
And then Darcy's like, great, I'm going to go in there and propose. And then Lady Catherine gets in their carriage and she's like, I got to go. Bye. Peace out. No compliments to your mum. And Darcy's like, my mum's dead. <laughs> so yeah, then he goes in there and he... Um, he's like, Lizzie, can I have a chat? Yeah, he's like, can I have a they chat? They go into the, the garden. garden. <laughs> and then uh, she's like, oh, um, yeah. Oh, he makes this Jane? excuse. Like, oh, I've got to talk to you about, uh, you know, uh, Bingley and yeah. uh, Jane and stuff. And uh, she's like, okay, let's and go, they go chat. they go outside. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I was kind of expecting Bingley to be here by now. And then he turns around. He's just like, oh, yeah, there's Bingley. And he's just there, <laughs> like, making out with Jane. Yeah. So they get engaged. They're getting married. And then they have their chat. And then they're like, pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. So they get engaged. And then we go back to the house. Mr. Mm. Bennett makes his pretty glad I didn't kill all of my kids jokes. Yeah. And then... Do you want to tell them, like, the last scene? No, go for it. Go for no? it. No? Yeah. Like, the like Mr. and Mrs. Bennet go into their house, and there's just two men in the sitting room with Mary and Kitty, the only ones that aren't married at this point. So, like, they go in, and um, Mary is, like, singing at the piano, and this guy with glasses is stood next to her, just, like, singing along. Or yeah. Just, like, standing or, like, who's her. that guy? And Kitty is, like making eyeballs at this young officer and then he he they walk off like just together no one's invited these men in to the house but they're I, just there we think that the officer well the officer miss i think mrs bennett's like oh that's just a uh, officer uh captain denny and yeah. maybe he can tell us more about this mr witherington yeah. person and then the film ends although it, i did for a minute think that um it was colonel fitzwilliam in there i thought it was fitzwilliam but i think it's denny just because okay. she says um captain forster can tell us about denny mm-hmm. and though captain like forster and denny are characters in the book mm-hmm. but it's this speckly guy who's he Where's who he is he very strange he's just like pulls out a, a like a flute and he's just gonna play along with mary um, oh, and Darcy, like, going back a bit, so that's the end. Oh, yeah. But, like, so when Lizzie and Wickham arrive, because we forgot about them a little bit, mm-hmm. like, Darcy's not only, like, giving him some money, but they turn up and they're like, oh, by the way, we're super rich. We're super yeah. rich. Because Darcy's giving them an income. Yeah. Like, he's giving them, like, a monthly, like, pocket money or something. And Lizzie's like, where'd you get that income? And Wickham's all like, oh, oh well, oh, I had I a, had a uh, uncle who died. Yeah. 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 And she's like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, two other things going back that I forgot to mention. One, and this is just, you know, me. I think that Fitzwilliam's first name is Fitzwilliam. I think he's Colonel Fitzwilliam Fitzwilliam. Yeah, you do think I he's think he's Colonel Fitzwilliam, Fitzwilliam squared. Fitzwilliam. There's no reason for me to think this. It's not mentioned in the book, but I, I just have a feeling. I always thought he was like Colonel first name Fitzwilliam. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I thought. Oh, I thought okay. it yeah. was like Colonel Jack, but it is his mm-hmm. surname, isn't it? Yeah, it is his surname. Okay. I, but I think it's also his first name as well. Thing the second. Thing the second. Um, what really struck me in this adaptation, and God knows I've read the line a million times before, and I've seen oh, so many adaptations of this. One fortnight later. <laughs> that epic line <laughs> that only Jane could it write. It even tells you what chapter it is. Uh, oh, so bad. No, this line. So um, Caroline Bingley. 
way back when we're at uh, the Bingley's place when Jane has gotten sick and oh, yeah. she's all over, you know, Darcy's jock. And she's like, you know, tell your sister I'm delighted to hear of her improvement on the harp and pray let her know oh, that I am gosh. quite in raptures with her beautiful little table or little okay. design for her table. Um, Before you say anything else, <laughs> when this when she says this line, Lauren is like, what the hell is up with this table? As if like... Everyone is just banging on about it all the time. It is referenced in almost every adaptation, but it is only talked about one time <laughs> in each film. Like, it's one line. Caroline Bingley doesn't get a lot of lines. This is her one line in every film, and Lauren is just like, what the hell is up? She's so annoyed by it. I was just like, where is this coming from? <laughs> I immediately had to, like, jump on the Google machine, because I was like, I need to I'm know. So, I'm so excited to hear what you have found out. Oh, God, I mean... Is this the Jane Austen Center website? It is. So this is an answer on the Jane Austen um, Center website. Someone else also had this question. They were just like, hey, what the hell is going on with like Caroline Bingley talking about Georgiana's beautiful little design for a table? And so, you know, furniture could be purchased in these days. Yeah. Um, from Ikea. Ready, ready made from Ikea. But... um. You know, many wealthy people of Jane Austen's time had furniture custom made for a, you know, particular space, or they would just like do a design and they would ask a furniture maker to like create it for them. So um, apparently Georgiana had created a design for a table and Darcy may well have a furniture maker create the custom piece of furniture. Um, that Miss Bingley has seen the design implies that the drawing was sent to Darcy either for his approval or for him to have it you know, made up or for both or whatever. No, so, it doesn't because they all visit Pemberley in the books. That's true. They do. Nonsense. <laughs> so really, we've learned nothing. We've learned that people had furniture made. We, yeah, they still do. I mean, especially when they are like of that, you know, income bracket. Yeah. Like she's not going to West Elm. She's not the only person to design furniture in that book. No, no. Mm. Because Lady Catherine de Bourgh oh, yes. does suggest to Mr. Collins the addition of some shelves in a cabinet upstairs. Um, the one that he very kindly points out to Elizabeth. So these women, so, these these women that are related to Darcy, they are, they are, you know, they have a strong eye for design. Yeah. Maybe we'll see like a Jane Austen collection in Ikea. Yeah, yeah. No, you know what? Like, Ikea to budget. Made.com. <laughs> Like the only other thing I can make do. it so, people make it so. Oh, I would, yeah, Georgiana I, I Darcy, really, how accomplished! She's so like she's so accomplished. So accomplished. Um, her, I I her, thought her she designs. was just like painting on the table. Oh or, like, yeah, making, like, yeah, a yeah. Mosaic. That's what I always. Oh, thought. that's a good good but thought. No, I like you know like okay. What is Georgiana's table design? You're what, designing a Regency I, table. What are you what are you putting on there? Yeah, what is it? Like what space in the home needs the table? I don't think it's like a dining table. No. It's in her bedroom, right? Okay. And it has a secret drawer so that you can hide all of your letters from men like Wickham. Absolutely. The OG bad lad. Yes. So you hide it and you can't see it. <gasps> it's the bad lad table. It's the bad lad table. Ooh, the Bad lad that actually side sounds, piece. That sounds like a piece of Ikea furniture. Mm. Bad lad. It does. But like it's got like a dot on one of the aids. Mm. Someone designed... Oh, we're, we're going to have to have an artist design this for us now. Ooh, the bad lad And table. like instructions of how to build it. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. 
yeah. So it's got the secret drawer. And maybe it's got like, um, I don't know, it's got like, it's a piano on the top or something. Yeah, yeah. She likes to play the piano. She loves the piano. She's so accomplished. It's It's got an embroidery. It's got space that you can put in an embroidery on the top under a piece of glass. And the embroidery that she has in mind is an embroidery of her and her brother sharing a nice fondue. Oh, well, there you go. That's the design. Lovely. I can't wait to have that. Someday you will. Someday. Wow, guys. Thanks for uh, putting up with this uh, this podcast. Yeah. There are, so, there are so many adaptations of Pride and Prejudice that we oh, still need to watch. Still so, so many. Um, if you have any suggestions for what we should watch, please let us know. I think uh, one thing that you need to watch is the 1980 version, the BBC version, which um, I actually really enjoy. Okay. I used to watch that one a lot when I was younger. I think Darcy in that version is pretty great. I can't wait. It's, um, yeah, yeah. It's all right. Oh, should we do a second opinions for this one too? Yeah. All right. Second opinion. Only if it's good. Only if it's good. Only if it's good? I I really was just so surprised with how behind this film I was because I thought it was going to be nonsense. Well, it's just good fun. It's just it's, good, clean fun, you know? Oh, wow. Okay, well... Um, Apart from, like, teenagers getting drunk. Here's a, here's a five-star review. Oh, sorry. It's a four-star review. It is a very light version of what life was back in the period of 1810s through 1850s. Right. This is a... Is it? Yeah. The costumes yeah, are 19th great. century. And the dialogue disjointed at times compared to the newer dramas. But it gives the gist of the story. Four stars. Okay. But there is a five star review above it that I think we need to mention. Yes. It, this gets absolutely. an honorable mention. Okay. Uh, bought for my wife. Obviously a retired library copy, but it was really inexpensive. So compromises were made. Romance. I want to have fondue with this person. <laughs> <laughs> Happy birthday, darling. Um, you know, I know we've been arguing a lot lately, but I have a little something that I think will really cheer you up. And they slide it across the table. Like, I've already got this one. But, you know, not wrapped. It's not or, wrapped. Or is it in like a like brown paper bag or like a plastic it's in like like a, bag it's from 7-Eleven? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. A co-op plastic bag and it's got a receipt for a ten pack of Marlboro <laughs> and like the beer that you drank on the way home. Yeah. Like a slim gym. Yeah. Yeah. Compromises were made. This is like compromises were made <laughs> because I, Hannah Chapman, was going to buy you a nice gift, but instead the things that I think are a higher priority are cigarettes and beer. Yeah, yeah. Not not far from the truth at all. Oh, I'd love to eat a Slim Jim. I've not eaten one yet. Oh, we can go get one. Yeah. Yeah. While you're still in America, we will go take you to get a Slim Jim. The slimmest of gyms. Yeah. We'll do it right now. Okay. Cool. We'll tell these guys, you know. You guys have got to go. Go. You got to go do something. You've got to go and follow us on Instagram. Yes. And Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. And um, tweet at us. Tell us if you're Team Austin or if you're Team Bronte. Been loving hearing from the Team Bronte people lately. Yeah, come on, Team Austin. Come on. Come like, on. I know we're out there. 
And, he's certainly um, make enough films for us. Yeah, seriously. But, you know, not a very vocal bunch. I don't know what that's about. We're too busy making tables. Probably. Um, another thing that you can do to show your support is pledge to our Unbound campaign. So we haven't talked about this quite enough on this podcast to be right. honest but um we are so you know we're also writers and editors and comic makers and we have a book in the works that is about jane austen and the bronte sisters how crazy is that so if you've enjoyed what you're hearing in the podcast and would like to hit read an expanded version with super funny illustrations from really talented artists including like comics about like when the uh, when the writers were teenagers, so like Austin and the Brontes, if they met at high school, what would they be like if they were professional wrestlers? Like irreverent, funny stuff with like the podcast episodes, but like written out, written down. Yeah, but yeah. with more stuff, more stuff, better. We're gonna check our references and everything. I check, I check some of my references. Oh, yeah, I never yeah. check the Wikipedia one because that's the most reliable source. So you know. Yeah, there you go. But um, yeah, you can go to unbound.com and just type in Austin versus Bronte and we will pop up. You could just give us $10 and that would be amazing. And you get a digital copy of the book. Yes. Or you could upgrade that to 25 and you can get a really beautiful like hardcover version of the book. You know, something to put on your coffee table. Don't worry. The cover is going to be beautiful. Yeah. Go, go and check it out. There's like a ton of like cool rewards and copies of the book yeah and we made a video that has puppets so Don't at least <laughs> go watch the video <laughs> oh no my face is in it face i know for mine is too i wanted there to be more puppets and if you want one of those puppets because i've got a box of them if you pledge the campaign send me a tweet and maybe i'll send you a puppet okay guys that is go. our yeah, spiel go. bye <laughs> sorry bye. thank you so much for listening bye